Now let's take our Bibles tonight and turn, if you would please, to the book of Acts. We'll begin a new series tonight, Considering the Cross. As the song said, that's why there is a book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1, if you would, and then let me ask you also to turn to Luke and chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1 and then Acts. So let's, let's begin in Luke, if you would, please. I'm sorry. Begin in Luke, because uh, in Acts he's going to say the former treatise, former message, and that's what this is in Luke. Luke is the author of Acts, and um, this would be like a two-volume set, you might say it that way, um, or one letter with two parts, and so uh, Luke is writing here, and so you'll see his intent. And while we're even beginning in Luke, I'm looking forward to this series. I trust that God will use it. There are 28 chapters in uh, Acts and a lot of information there. So it's, it's possible that if you have children who are in kindergarten, they may uh, graduate by the time we get finished. I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm sure looking forward to uh, the preaching through the book of Acts. All right, Luke chapter 1. Let's begin there in verse number 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth... In order, a declaration of those things which are most surely, most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying what we've got is real. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the what? What's the next word? Certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So he says, uh, Theophilus, I want you to know that what you've believed is right. It's right. And so then he goes in and uh, the book, the gospel of Luke, about the story of the birth of Jesus Christ his life, his death, praise God, his resurrection, and his commissioning of the church. And then he comes to Acts, as we know it, Acts of the Apostles. And so let's go now to Acts in chapter number 1 with that background. So we just preach through the book of Luke like that. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treatise which is uh, the word treatise there means is the word logos. You would know that word, many of you would, logos, it's word. So the former word, the former message, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is all one sentence, verse 1 through verse 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In fact, it would be in ten days when the time of Pentecost, as we know it, would come. And so now, 
um, Luke is taken in hand under inspiration to write not the account of Jesus, but now the account of the church and what happened with the message of the gospel. And so tonight, as we begin uh, the book of Acts, I'd like to preach on this, the purpose of Acts, the purpose of the book of Acts and your life purpose, the purpose of the book of Acts and your purpose, our purpose as a church, and trust that God will use it uh, to do just what Luke's intent was, which is the intent of the Holy Ghost, and which is still the intent today. And so I'm trusting that God will bless his word. You may be seated as you are. We'll get into the message tonight. You ever find yourself in need of boldness to share the gospel? I would imagine that everyone here in your mind, if you're a believer, knowing the importance of the gospel, you probably just said, yes, I've struggled being bold. Uh, Your pastor is answering yes. Uh, In the past, yes. Currently, yes. In the future, probably. Um, It's intimidating uh, at times to go to somebody that you don't know. It's intimidating to go to somebody that you do know family member, a co-worker, it can be very intimidating. And so if you answered yes, you're actually in very good company because so were the apostles. So was the members of the very first church. In fact, as we, um, if we had taken time, and we did through the gospel of Mark, uh, one of the last scenes that would be maybe resonating in your mind would be the apostles hunkered down and scared in a room for fear of the Jews, fear for what might happen to them. But in just a few short days, in 50 days, uh, virtually, in 50 days, they are in the streets of Jerusalem, in the plaza center, in the, in the marketplaces, in the open areas, going to synagogues, going to the, to the streets, taking the message that they were hiding, taking it to the streets. There was a big change that came in these uh, timid, frightened, uh, scared Jewish believers that were fearful, suddenly now they're bold. What happened? What happened to these men? Well, they became very bold. And God intervened in their life, and thus they were bold. Luke is writing to a man named Theophilus. You read his name in both accounts. Theophilus is a Greek name, so it's most likely, obviously, that this man was a Gentile, not a Jew. In fact, Luke uh, would also be a Gentile. Uh, most likely, as we could study in Colossians and, and gather just from his, um, his travels with Paul and such, as, and even his emphasis here in the, in the book of Acts, he's highlighting how God took the message to the Gentiles. Well, he would be interested in that. He was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew. In fact, he uh, would be the only non-Jew writer of the New Testament. And so it's very significant uh, for you and I who are likewise Gentiles. And so he's writing to this man, Theophilus, and saying, look, Theophilus, if I could just sum it up in these few verses we read, if I could sum it up in just a few words, I I believe he's simply saying this, what you believed, uh, I would say that Theophilus would be a believer. He's not writing the gospel of Luke, nor the acts of the apostles. He's not writing it to try to convince Theophilus to become a believer, but rather because he was a believer In other words, he wasn't trying to evangelize Theophilus. He was trying to help Theophilus to be an evangelist, to be an evangelizer. 
Someone that would go around with the gospel. So he's assuring him. He's saying, look, what the, the truth that you have embraced is solid. Because he was surrounded by all kinds of religious ideas back in this first century of, uh, of the faith as Christianity is growing and taking, ta- has taken root at this point. And, and yet now there's, there's a lot of ap- opposition to, uh, to the faith. And, and there's, in fact, there's such great opposition. It may be that Theophilus was timid to be bold with the faith because if he did, it could either cost him persecution or his life. And then he's sharing the gospel in a very pluralistic society where people were saying, look, it doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Well, does that sound familiar? And so he's writing to this man, Theophilus, and saying, look, Theophilus, what you've believed is solid. You're on solid ground. You don't have to be timid with your faith. He wrote uh, the gospel of Luke to, to get across the content of the, of, of the gospel message. And thus, as Theophilus would see and hear that these things are most assuredly believed among us, that, listen, uh, Theophilus, you've not got into some kind of a wild cult here. You, you, have, you have stepped in to, by God's grace, you've had the opportunity to believe the faith, the, the work that God did by through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the way through Bible history, and it's culminated in the person of Jesus Christ, you are part of something, Theophilus, that is solid because God's Word is solid. You're part of something, Theophilus, that is actually very old, even though it seems like it's new on the scene. Listen, God has been doing something great, Theophilus, and I want to tell you how great it is. There's power in the Gospel. Power in the Gospel. And so he's writing to him in the Gospel of Luke about about just that, the content of the Gospel And because of its content and its connection to the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ, you and I have every every reason to be very bold with the gospel. We have every reason. We don't need to back down. We don't need to be quiet about it. We don't need to think, well, I don't want to intrude on I don't want to intrude on what people believe because you know it's been their heritage and their lineage by way of their family, or I don't want to intrude because it's their culture. See, we might be intended to hold, hold back a little bit. But listen, if they're believing anything other than what this Bible teaches, then they desperately need the message regardless of their lineage and their heritage and their culture. Yeah, that's right. And we can be bold about it. Traveling around with Brother uh, Herring, he's interested in Native American history and it rekindled an, an interest in me. Of course, living here in the land of the red man, I, I guess I ought to know something about uh, Oklahoma and uh, Native American history that's here. It's so rich. It's so amazing. And, and, I, and I love Indian culture. My dad was really into it and studied it and passed a lot on to me. And, and you know, there's the tendency here to think, well, we don't want to mess up their Indian culture. Well, they worship spirits. The, in fact, in many ways, the best thing that ever happened to the Native Americans is that at least they got the gospel. Were they done wrong by, by white men and such and the breaking of treaties and all, all that took place? Absolutely. But in the process of all this, they received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessing. So it really doesn't matter a person's background or their lineage and their history and such. Although it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful and I love studying cultures. Listen, this Bible transcends culture. It does. 
But Theophilus might have been thinking, what did I get myself into? You ever thought that? You ever make a decision and think, my soul, what did I get myself into? You might have bought a new car and you thought, now what in the world did I get myself into? And actually, when we moved here, uh, we bought in one day. We signed the contract on the house in which we're living now, and we bought two cars all in one day. You talk about not sleeping well that night. <laughs> My soul. Well, we we just uh, we sold one vehicle and thought, man, we're going to need two here. And so, I mean, it's just one of those deals. But I'm telling you, you wonder, oh man, did we make did we make the right decision? You know, might be a new member here, somebody that just started coming and. You kind of feel like trapped or locked into what's going on here. And you might wonder, man, I wonder if I, I, wonder if I joined the right church. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> you might wonder, you know, uh, what did I get myself into? What did I get myself into? Um, this morning in our uh, Sunday school class, just took time to hear testimonies about uh, ministries that people are involved in. And, and uh, one of the young married uh, couples... Um, uh, mentioned how that uh, they signed up to work in the five-year-old church, Brother Bruce Harrison, uh, whose dad pastored here. Uh, Brother Bruce takes care of, uh, let's see, Brother Bruce, help me out, where are you at? I'm losing right now. He may be helping out back in the two or three-year-olds. Bless his heart, he's been with kids all day, if that's the case. But uh, but in any case, uh, and maybe out of town, but uh, I thank God for Brother Bruce Harrison. He's, uh, oh, wait, where are you Where are you at? Okay, there you are, Brother Bruce, you're here. Well, I'm glad I didn't say anything I wasn't supposed to, so... <laughs> <sighs> but uh, I, I love to watch Brother Bruce and working with the five-year-olds. A hundred some? Fives? What are we looking at? About 80 today, so a little bit down. Okay, so 85-year-olds. Talk about a takeover. That's frightening. But I appreciate that. But uh, one of the couples shared how they got in the ministry, and he said, you know... Our first Sunday there, I began to wonder, what in the world did we get ourselves into? But he said, now as I've got into it, and I'm learning the kids' names and, and seeing the difference that the Bible is making, and they're learning the songs, he just talked about how that it's exciting. Well, here's Theophilus. He may be looking at what he got into, and he needs a little bit of encouragement about the faith. You ever need a little bit of encouragement about the faith? Well, that, that's basically what, what Luke is writing to do. He's encouraging him to listen, to say this, Theophilus, what you have believed is right because of its content. But now as we get into the purpose of the book of Acts, what he's saying to Theophilus is this, Theophilus, you know what Jesus started? It's not stopped. It's continuing on. Yes, he's in heaven, but it, the work just goes right on. What Jesus began, no, I like that how he said that. What Jesus began to do, if it's what Jesus began to do, it sounds like what he might still very well be doing. So what he began to do, he still does, even though he's not physically, bodily here, he works through the church. And so the book of Acts is, is termed the Acts of the Apostles, but, but really when you study it, the highlight is not so much on the apostles as it is on God. 
and the work of the Holy Spirit and, and the person of Jesus Christ and how they went everywhere for His name as our theme is this year. They went everywhere for His name. In fact, that, that theme and that, that terminology is used even in the book of Acts quite often. And, and so it may be that these, these uh, early disciples, this early church was thinking, what in the world did we get ourselves into? But as the Holy Ghost came and the Spirit of God descended upon them and they began to witness and the Word was preached and taught and shared from one person to another person, I'm telling you, the power of the gospel began to to work in people's lives so that people were saved out of all kinds of walks of life and from all kinds of backgrounds. I'm telling you, this word that we preach tonight is powerful, not because we are or we're dynamic, but because the word itself is powerful. And it spread. It spread. Have you ever... Well, my voice is squeaking tonight, so... <laughs> That's a little embarrassing. <laughs> I'm glad the Word is powerful. and It's not based on my voice. So I had a professor in homiletics that told me I had a voice like Barney Fife back then, and I'm afraid it's starting to come back or something squeaky. Hmm. All right, y'all pray. Here we go. You ever uh, notice how some prominent maybe places, even right here in Oklahoma City, how they had very humble beginnings? Um, you know, I enjoy going up to uh, even the, the hospitals and just seeing the growth and development. Some of you were born at uh, St. Anthony's Hospital, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Mercy Hospital when it was downtown. Some of you would remember that. Some of you would remember when this was called Community Hospital rather than, if I'm right about that, Community Hospital. And now it's uh, Southwest, Integris and such. But the growth and the development of it, it, it started very small, but then it began to grow and grow and grow. Yep. Um, you think about, the, uh, about our country. Think about the Pilgrim's Landing and... And making it through that winter and all those things and those humble beginnings. And how they began to come. People began to come. And they filled that eastern seaboard there. And then we ran out of room. And they started moving west. And they came to Kentuck. <laughs> and Daniel Boone set in and... The westward expansion began, and, and then all the purchases and the people and the movement of people. And I'm telling you, now you get out to California, and we found the west, brother. We found the west, and we filled it up. There's still room, though. Still room. But it's amazing, the movement of people from these humble, humble beginnings. Angie and I just had the opportunity to go to Seattle um, a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I worked on this message quite a bit during that time. And so some of the illustrations right now are going to come from that time. And we had the occasion to go to Pike Place Market or Pike's Market there in Seattle. You've, some of you have been there and uh, that's quite a place. Talk about people. Some unique people. <laughs> Saw this one young lady and I mean, she was decorated up and and had a sign around her neck and said, no, no pictures, please. What, is this a circus? And so anyways, it... Kind of looked like one had come to town, but uh, some unique and interesting people. I, I love, I love being around people and seeing the different walks of life. And, and so, in any case, but the, the story behind this uh, Pike's, um, am I saying that right? Pike Place Market there. Uh, it started with a very humble beginning back in 1907. Just about 10 men came and 
set up their uh, their uh, produce and goods and such, and and they were overwhelmed by the volume of people who came. I, I read some numbers that said hundreds, and I said read some numbers that said thousands that came and just bought them out in 1907. And so as a result of that, they just started having this this farmer's market, basically. And now you can go there along with 10 million other people every year. 10 million. I have no idea how they calculate that, but I'm pretty sure we saw about a million in one day. It seemed like there's a lot of folks there. Humble beginning. Now it's huge. Little place there, a little coffee shop that we stopped in. A uh, little place called Starbucks. Anybody ever heard of heard of that? Yeah. So we got there as our first time. We'd driven around a little bit, but never had stopped and just walked around. And so, well, there's a Starbucks on every corner. We're talking about Washington. And so, um, and so we saw this one Starbucks, and I thought, man, is this it? I don't know. I really don't know. And I was the tour guide. It was just Angie and I. And so, um, so I asked, is this is this it? And and she said, no, it's on it's on Pike Place. It's on the if I'm right about that, and that would make sense, of course, with the blend and such but um so we came there and i'm telling you it wasn't very big i was expecting like a shrine and and uh this big worship center there or something you know so i asked the young lady at the counter you know we placed our order and such and and uh i said is this is this the original starbucks and and here's what she said you finally made it that's what she said like i've been looking for it all my life <laughs> you made it you finally are here. It's hilarious. April 1st, 1971, it started. And now, look, I mean, it's widespread. But from that very humble beginning. One more uh, Pike Place illustration. Uh, I don't know why we didn't make this connection, but uh, clam chowder is a big deal out in Washington with the sea and or the ocean being there. That real big pond, you know. <laughs> Boy from Kentucky, just a little overwhelmed and... And uh, so anyways, they had clam chowder there. And I don't know if you're a clam chowder fan or not, but I'm telling you, if you are, you need to go to Seattle and that area of Washington. I think I'm telling the truth. Those from from that area would probably say amen, no doubt. But so we stopped at uh, Pike Place Chowder and it's famous. And and so we enjoyed some good chowder. And so as we're coming back from uh, Seattle, we're in the airport and and uh, I'm doing some study and Angie's uh, shopping and stuff there in the airport. And ladies find places to shop anywhere and everywhere. And so there she is shopping in the airport. She came back carrying a bag, of course, and and uh, she, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, moving on. But she came back and uh, and she held up the bag and said, "Hey, guess what I what I brought home?" And it was a a, a frozen deal of uh, clam chowder. So we're looking forward to enjoying that. I mean, it was so good that we thought, man, we got to bring this home with us, you know. So we're bringing it to Oklahoma. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Do you know, um, you think about all those things and how, in a lot of ways, how trivial they are. We're talking about coffee beans that have gone international, right? And in and, and and being well-known, that symbol and that, and that coffee and that taste and all those things. That, and clam chowder and Pike's Plate Market and all these things. Well, look, in comparison to the gospel, it fades, I was flying, uh, I preached a youth rally up in Ashtabula, Ohio on Friday night and flew back uh, Saturday. And you've been up to Ashtabula, a beautiful 
area, kind of the uh, Amish country and covered bridges, just a nice place there. And so I'm up there and I'm flying back and I had a moment just to look at the, um, at the world map as uh, I was getting ready to fly. And I looked at all the countries of the world, as many of them as I could take in. And just before the flight was taken, I thought, man, we've got a missionary there and a missionary there and a missionary there. There's some here and I'm looking over Africa, looking over Asia, looking over. And I thought, my soul, the gospel. And I, I said, okay, now wait a minute, where, let me get this picture here. Let me find Israel. <laughs> this teeny, tiny little place. And they're outside of Jerusalem in a place called Bethlehem. An angel came, uh, an angel, an angelic beings came. And on that Judean hillside, they announced unto you, a, a son is born unto you, a, a child is given. And, 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 and made the announcement rather about how that, I'm quoting Isaiah, not Luke. But I'm thinking about Luke there and how that, how that Jesus had come and that, that he would be born and his name would be called Jesus. And on that little bitty Judean hillside. And in that town of Bethlehem, a little babe was born and placed in a feeding trough. And now his name is known all over the world. And a group of Jewish believers who were frightened out of their minds began to assemble together in his name. But then something took place in their life that ignited a fire that's not stopped spreading. And it spread all over that area there in Jerusalem and then to Judea and to Samaria and then into Asia and then into Europe. And then it made it all the way. I'm talking about that story about the little babe that was born in the manger who died on a cross and was buried and rose again. I'm talking about that account that made it from that Judean hillside that day. And it made it all the way to the capital city of the strongest empire of the world at that time. And as Paul stood before Nero... The gospel spread. Talk about a powerful word and the effect that it had. And it didn't stop there. It kept going west and it made it all the way here. And that's why we're here tonight and it's still going and it's, there's still some unreached pockets and places and peoples and, and individuals and, and yet the word is still just as powerful tonight as it was back then in the days of the book of Acts. I'm telling you, you and I have the same content. You and I have the same spirit of God. You and I have the same command. You and I preach the same Savior. You and I have the same Lord. He's still in charge. He's still in authority and we still are to go for his name what an opportunity we have we are part of something that is very old and yet is still going forward as strong as it was in its very beginnings does it have a humble beginning yes but it's growing and it's getting stronger hey we are not weak we are not defeated we are not in some backwoods place somewhere no we're in part of something and god has us involved at such a time as this to do something by his power for his name That's exciting. This is a message that's worth going on a Thursday night to a retirement center. 
This is a message that's worth getting up early on a Sunday morning to climb in some bus that, that doesn't have air conditioning unless you put all the windows down and drive real fast. This is, this is worth, this is worth nursery workers who work there in the nursery and take care of children so that people could hear this message. This is worth a teen department hearing about Jesus and, and singing old songs of faith and not giving in to a contemporary movement that, that is emphasizing, uh, swaying back and forth and just a bunch of hype and playing video games. No, it's about a message. It's about a man. It's about a person. It's about God. And it's worth our endeavors. And it's worth our time of praying passionately that God might help us. It's worth a a missions committee meeting at a five o'clock where we'd sit down and, and analyze what missionaries need to have support raised, not backing down, but raising their support and what missionaries need a project and, and all these things. Hey, it's worth that kind of attention. It's worth you being here tonight and every service and every Sunday school time. It's worth you going to work and sharing this gospel message with somebody. I'm telling you, we're talking about the powerful word of God and how it spread. It's going to take 28 chapters to do it. Right now, we're in chapter 2012. Everybody catch that? Right now, we're in chapter 2012. It goes on. That's exciting. That you and I have the privilege to work side by side in the ministry, in the same ministry that Paul... Not that we're anything and not that he was anything. But that we are nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. (laughs) We're his church. I said we're his church. And we have his word. And we have his mission. And we have his spirit. And we have his power. And whatever else we need, he's got it. We got a work to do. There's been a great work done behind us. And I think the purpose of the book of Acts is actually quite simple. Look what God did. And the implication would be this He's still doing it. And wants to do it through you, Theophilus. And wants to do it through you. Though you may not have a Greek name, He still wants to do it through you. Yep. So the book of Acts is basically that arrangement. There are several summary statements that are made by Luke. Things like, so the word of God grew, and the number of disciples multiplied. There are six key places where that transition is made. Where he he basically tells what happened, and then he summarizes it by saying, it just kept exploding. And then this happened, so the word just kept exploding. So this happened, and the word just kept spreading. And then it happened in this region, and then the word just kept going. Six different divisions. Chapters 1 through chapter 6 and verse number 6, it's in Jerusalem. Chapter 6 and verse number 7, he talks about how the word multiplied in Jerusalem. The word was not supposed to stop in Jerusalem. It was to go from one location to many locations and from those many locations to all locations. So then it went, and the book of Acts, I believe, follows these divisions that are built in there by Luke. And I don't want to invent anything else other than what Luke's got. So it goes from Jerusalem, then to Judea and Samaria, as you follow the structure. And that goes through chapter 9 and verse number 31. And so Luke says in chapter 9, Then the churches had rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and were edified. In other words, they grew. 
So then the word began to branch out to Gentiles. Paul was called. He and Barnabas began that first missionary journey as the word spread uh, to those Gentiles into Asia. Of course, in chapter 9 and 10 and so forth, we're going to see how, how that um, God was saying to, to uh, Peter, Peter, I know you're Jewish, but God has come to save the Gentiles too. Peter had a thick head. He had to tell him the same message three times. You ever had to be told the message three times though? Sure. But he said, I want you to get this, Peter. The message is for all people. And so thus in chapter 13, the gospel spreads to Asia. There are six different movements here from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the Gentiles in that region to Asia to Europe as it goes there as Paul has the Macedonian call and goes into that area into what would be known at that time as Europe from Asia into Europe and then it makes it all the way to Rome. Now listen, that's not without opposition. It was opposed by unbelieving Jews. It was opposed by believing Jews who said you've got to be circumcised too. It was opposed by secular leaders like Herod. It was opposed by religious and secular opposition from Greek people. It was opposed by shipwrecks and snakes. But the gospel just kept going. Because it's more powerful than any opposition. I talked a little bit to Brother Tim Berg, and he did some study. That's a big help. He's a member here at the church, and, and I'm very thankful for, uh, for some of our conversations. And I, I asked him if I could mention this, and he said, you don't have to mention my name, but I like to give credit where credit's due. And um, so he said this about the book of Acts, No opposing force can stop the spread of the gospel. When the church believes the gospel with conviction prays for the spread of the gospel with passion, and preaches the gospel with boldness. I believe that'll do it. Do you believe the gospel with conviction? Do you pray for the spread of the gospel with passion? And then do you proclaim the gospel with boldness? Angie and I were sitting down in the airport, and um, and I was telling her about how the book of Acts was arranged as I began to study it, and said, you know, it started here in Jerusalem. Well, it started just like what Jesus said. You'll be witnesses unto me in, Ju- in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. So it started right there. And I said, you know, I, we're sitting here. She's sitting here right beside me. And there's a lady right behind us. You know how the chairs in the airport are just like right beside each other. So there's a, there's a lady here and she's sitting directly behind Angie. And as I start talking, I notice that on her side, she starts doing this. She's listening in. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep going and see what happens here. And I said, well, the gospel is so powerful that it, as we follow the book of Acts, what we're going to see is it's going to spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And then it's going to go to the Gentiles. And then it's going to go to Europe. And then it's going to go to Asia. And this lady behind us said, yeah, and it doesn't need to stop there. She said, we need it now more than ever. And I'm telling you, that started quite as, isn't that what she said? She said, we need it now more than ever, she said. We had quite a conversation. 
she was actually a believer and moving down to uh, Arizona to, to uh, for this purpose. Her dad is 90 and was uh, getting up in years, obviously, and she he did not know the Lord, does not know the Lord. So she is purposefully moving there. She's retired from teaching in a public school system where she tried to have a gospel witness, and I'm so grateful for that. We had quite a time talking about the spread of the gospel, even in the public schools, and, and uh, how that she would try to draw students into even asking questions. And so she's moving to Arizona to be a witness to her dad who's about to die. That's somebody who is convinced about the gospel, praying for the spread of the gospel, and is willing to share the gospel. How about you? Why did the gospel spread like it did back then? Well, it's simply because of this. Believers took their place to do what God said to do for His name. I found this to be very uh, timely of our God, that this morning we were in the book of Exodus preaching about Moses and how that God gave Moses a mission. And Moses is going to say next week, he's going to say, who do I tell him is sending me? I am. And so when he gave him his name, that sent him on a mission. Now we're in the book of Acts. And when those men learned his name, it sent them on a mission to deliver the captives, to set them free, just like it did in the book of, Mo- uh, Mo- book of Moses, book of Exodus. You and I are honored and privileged to know his name. What do we need to do? Humbly accept our place in God's plan. So really, the message this morning is the same as tonight. How do you answer God's call in your life? Will you humbly get in your place to do what God calls you to do? How did the gospel spread? Here's a bunch of men who were proud and arrogant, but they learned to be humble. And they just did what God called them to do. And God used this small group and sent them everywhere. That's why we're here. Same reason. I believe that's worth singing about. I believe that's worth signing up for ministry. Because what you're signing up to, what you're enlisting in, is something very old and something very powerful. Man, what a great way to invest your life. So really, the purpose of the book of Acts is actually your life purpose. If you care about the gospel, what's your life purpose? Well, my life purpose is I want to get married. (laughs) Well, that's a good goal. Why? It's got to be bigger than that. My purpose in life is to make a bunch of money. Shallow. My purpose in life is just to work a job and raise a family. Well, that's wonderful. That's God honoring. But it's bigger than that. It has to do with His name. See, there are ways that you can take where you are right now and allow God to use it for His overall purpose and glory. And then we get to partner together to reach people here as well as all around the world through the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise His name. Father, as we have started now this book of Acts, we pray 
that your intention then with the man named Theophilus, though we don't know a whole lot about him, maybe a prominent man given the way that Luke addressed him with most excellent Theophilus, perhaps a man of means that could even use those means to help others with the gospel, but no doubt a man that maybe was at times wavering and needed to know the certainty of those things. And here we are in a pluralistic society, in a, in a nation even now that is antagonistic against the spread of the gospel, where even in Colorado, I believe in Pueblo, uh, Colorado, the city council determining not to pray just so as not to offend people. God, we have all kinds of things going on in our nation that is against you. But we would expect that from a world that doesn't know you. But I pray that you'd help us, God, in the midst of all these things and other factors beside, that you'd help us to be very bold with the gospel. Please, dear God, for your name's sake, I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.